Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvroski. We are back. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm your host, Rob Kalvroski. On this week's episode, Claire Jones, the Senior Vice President from MIQ, joins us and we discuss empathetic leadership, we discuss why people are the bottom line, and we discuss why Claire is starting to go down the road of mental health and burnout to take care of her people. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform, and if you'd like a question to be answered on the show, anything about leadership, mindset, or performance, go to Apple, leave us a review, and drop the question into the podcast notes. First off, thanks in advance for doing that. Any ratings help us be seen and found by more people. And the second thing is Susan and I will answer those questions on an upcoming Q&A episode. Lastly, if you haven't yet, follow the Leadership Launchpad Project on LinkedIn and go to EliteHighPerformance.com slash leadership. You can find out more about the speaking services and consulting that Susan and I offer. So check that out. So thanks for listening. And here's the interview with Claire Jones. We are back. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski, and as always, we have our in-house leadership mindset coach and former Princeton Tiger, Susan Hobson. Susan, how are you? (laughs) We're sticking with the animals today, aren't we? I'm fabulous, as always. Thank you, Rob. So excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this podcast for so long, ever since uh, we decided to do it. So yeah, let's get this party started, shall we? Let's get it started, and... We have a special guest. We have the Senior Vice President of MIQ, Claire Jones, with us. Claire, how are you? I am very well. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. No, it's it's great to have you. And Claire, you know, we you, we were just looking at your dog here. And oh, like, yeah, I, I'm recently, yeah, I am recently oh, a dog owner. Mr. Archie. So Mr. it's Archie. it's incredible to have you here. So Claire, for people who are new new to you, can you give us a little background on yourself? Like who is Claire Jones? Yeah, of course. So yeah, Claire Jones, although I have to say over the years, I have acquired many nicknames, uh, CJ, Jonesy, Siege. Feel free to call me any of those as we progress through this conversation. Uh, so yeah, so I was born and raised in England, uh, moved to Canada uh, on New Year's Eve 2017 amidst a polar vortex with lost luggage. So I had quite the welcome to Canada. <laughs> oh, I'll say. Like, hello. Uh, and yeah, I moved here with work, actually still with the same company that I'm with now, MIQ. Um, so I think the, the easiest and simplest way to describe MIQ, uh, we are in the digital advertising industry uh, and we're primarily a media and tech company. Um, we have around 70 people in the Canadian office now. 
And I've been fortunate enough to know Miss Lovely Claire Jones, CJ, as she's known <laughs> as around the office. Uh, for about two years, I've been working with the MIQ leadership yeah. team, right, Claire? Yeah. And I can't wait to get started with interviewing you, my dear. You are the most heart-centric leader I've ever met in my entire life. Um, but yeah, let's just start off there, shall we? What does leadership mean to you? I love this question. Uh, I think first and foremost, for me, it's not about a title and it's not about power. Um, I think I've seen many leaders across industries and over the years that, that use that. And I, for me, that's just like me. Uh, I think it's about being brave to stand up, uh, to stand up for your people when you need to as well. And then I also think it's about creating a space uh, and a safe space, which we'll talk about a lot today. Um, I think that for me is what leadership is. And what do you feel like your leadership style is? I know that I sort of just let the cat out of the bag saying you're one of the most heart-centric leaders I've ever met. But uh, what do you, how would you describe your leadership style and what really inspired that in you? Uh, I'd like to think I lead with a human first mentality. Uh, and Susan, you kind of alluded to that. And I know we talk about this a lot, uh, but like people are the bottom line. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Uh, and I think, you know, there is nothing without people. Uh, and I like Amen. to think that. Yeah. And I like to think that's um, my style of leadership. Uh, and I'd say, what's influenced that? Um, I think it's just over the years, um, you know, seeing what I think leadership is not good at sometimes and seeing those characters and leaders that don't have a people first mentality. Right. I've just always had a really negative experience with that and I've just seen the impact that has on the people around you uh, so I think that's definitely influenced that um, I also it's really funny we did a personality type test this week with the team uh, and I came out as the mediator I was like oh, oh so yeah totally that's you. <laughs> it's like, uh, I think uh, yeah I think that's definitely influenced a lot of of kind of where I am today and and the type of leader that I am and it's something, you know, you mentioned safe space and you mentioned like some of these other aspects of leadership that you've seen that you didn't like, like, let's go there. Like, what do you, when you talk, like we've talked about psychological safety on this show before and creating these environments where feedback and honesty and vulnerability is, is part of the culture. Like, how have you been able to foster safe spaces at work? Uh, I love this question. Um it's it's hard first and foremost and it is a heck of a journey i'll say i mm -hmm. think um there are certain steps that need to be taken from just recognizing where the where the issues are uh so there are things like psychologically safe leadership assessments uh, we're actually gonna do one of those soon actually um uh, just to really get a handle on where those um issues really are uh, and i think hearing from your people um i think one of the things that is so important is meeting people where they are. Um, you know, we have a lot of individuals or, you know, in, in any role I've ever been in, you're always going to have people that don't feel comfortable to speak up. Okay, so that's a problem first and foremost, because why do they not feel comfortable speaking up? Mm -hmm. But then it's like, okay, so how do you, yeah, so that you fix that problem or try to fix that problem, but then how do you meet them where they are and create a space where they feel comfortable to speak up? So is that through anonymous surveys? Is that by, um, you know, connecting them with someone different they feel safe talking to? Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of work and 
Yeah, I look around and speak to other business leaders and it's one of the biggest challenges I think uh, businesses have right now is, is recognizing where they need to create a safe space and then how do they even go about doing that. Um, so yeah, it's a tough one. It's definitely front of mind for me right now, uh, for sure. So when you say meeting people where you are, like let's dig there, like what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> so I think it's really important um, to not lose sight of the fact that there's a human, right? <laughs> yeah, you're dealing with people. People have their own complex worlds, especially now more than ever. People have their own things that they're dealing with. You know, people have reasons that may prevent them from feeling like they're in a safe space. You know, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole around race and, and gender and all that stuff, but, you know, it's a problem. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's stuff that we need to get better at, I think, as leaders in recognizing that um, and just knowing that, you know, for some people, like getting out of bed in the morning and just turning up for work is a success. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, just even being able to like turn on the laptop and listen to a, listen to a call or answer an email, that's a lot. And actually, for a lot of leaders, you may not even realize that. Um, and just think about how much energy it takes for that individual to do that. So when I talk about meeting them where they are, it's like, okay, recognize that. Like, how can you help them so that it, it is easier if possible? Like, do they need to take some leave? Do they need to access resources that are outside of the, the workspace? Um, so I think that's important. Again, like, it's very hard to do. And I appreciate it's very hard to do if you're in a big organization with thousands of employees. Um, that is hard. Uh, but I do think it's, it's the way I think leadership is starting to go now is more of that individ individualistic, I can never say that word, uh, approach to um, developing and, and growing people. That's a very long and waffly way of saying that. But <laughs> I think it's important. I want to dig more, you know, into this, right? Because obviously this is something that you just said you guys are really digging into. You said you're, 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 I think you said you're disseminating a survey around psychological safety this week, right? So where do we need to begin with this as leaders? Like, I know that this is something that has kind of held this back for a really long time, right? It's like, there's a lot of fear around having those types of vulnerable conversations. Even the word vulnerable itself, right? <laughs> Could ignite the fear, which then leads to the avoidance. So for somebody who's listening today, how, how do they even begin that journey with their people? Uh, great question. Uh, I think I think I mentioned this before. I think just recognizing that it is a journey that needs to happen, mm -hmm. uh, I think is really important. And, you know, and a lot of people probably aren't there yet. And, you know, we talk a lot about vulnerability and, uh, you know, to, you know, Brene Brown here, the queen of vulnerability, but like, it's so important. And I think, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of leaders that don't feel comfortable to be vulnerable in front of their people to even start this conversation. Right. Um, but That's I think, the key. yeah, and I think where has been really interesting and something that actually I'm studying on the side is mental health. Um, so I'm doing a master's in that at the moment. Um, and it's something that uh, we're getting more involved in just within our industry. Um, so we've just partnered with CAMH, actually, which has been really interesting because um, you know, they're, they're putting a lot of investment and resource behind, okay, how can we take all of the, the great work we're doing at a kind of public level into the corporate setting? Because we realize that actually, if we're ever going to make change mm -hmm. um, in the realm of mental health and psychological safety, 
nine times out of 10, it starts in the workplace, right? So I think mm-hmm. um, just even starting that conversation has been so eye-opening for me, honestly, so eye-opening just to see um, how it is a complex web and there's just so much you need to navigate and so many things you need to think about. Um, but I think positive steps are happening and you can see it. Um, and I think, yeah, just recognizing it, looking around for resources as well. Like I just mentioned CAMH, like they have a lot of great resources for business leaders, uh, which I think actually are really kind of underutilized in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, building a workplace mental health strategy, um, I think is key as well. Not a lot of businesses actually have that. And I think that is a big gap right now for a lot of organizations. Again, organizations like CAMH can help you do that. Um, the Mental Health Association of Canada also has a wealth of resource um, with our industry as well. We have particular um, uh, groups such as NABS um, who also focus on mental health and wellness and very much drive the agenda of, you know, people are the bottom line and without your people, you don't have anything. So let's create a psychologically safe space for our people. Um, so I think it's out there. You just have to have the intent and, and the want for change which is, again, a problem in itself, right? Susan, we talk about this a lot. <laughs> well, that's where it begins, I think, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll reference our fa- our favorite leadership expert, Brene Brown, again, right? Oh, like yeah. she, she, she defines leadership as leaders are here to help people grow. Period, bottom line. There's her book right there, Dare to Lead, one of my favorites. But that's what it's about. If, if, if that really is what leadership means... Um, doesn't it start with making sure that you are making space to see your people and yeah. to, to take time to lean into hearing what they have to say so that you can meet them where they're at, so you can have an understanding where they're at? I think because of what you just said in terms of the complexity of the issue, it can be kind of overwhelming for a lot of leaders to even want to open up that space, right, to have that type of vulnerable conversation or dialogue with their people. But I I love your answer because basically what you're suggesting is it just starts with the intent, like saying that this is actually important. People are the bottom line. And so if you don't have psychological safety, then I I love all those business strategies that you're doing to grow, to grow, to grow your your bottom line. But if those strategies are absent of the actual people who are doing that work, right? Yeah. It's kind of a broken model. So you're, what you're suggesting is true, right? It just starts with curiosity. Let's just simplify it, folks. Just get yeah, curious. And I think that's it, right? Simplification is key in all of this because it is overwhelming. And I think it's just so personal as well. Like even mm-hmm. as like leaders, right? Like if, you, you know, the stats now on people being affected by mental health are like astronomical and they're just the ones we know about, right? So mm-hmm. even as a people leader, you're probably navigating your own challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to know how to even do that for the people you're leading is tough, right? But again, like it's simplifying it and just making it accessible for people. And I think, you know, there probably are some instances where some leaders are just not doing it because A, it is overwhelming. And maybe it's just like a yeah, it's not an area you really want to go across, is it? You don't want to talk about mental health over there. Oh, that's a bit, oh, that's a bit like a taboo subject. You don't want to talk about that. And I think, and that's part of the problem, right, is mm-hmm. is that, is the stigma piece. And actually the, the CAMH partnership is really interesting because their whole, their whole notion is the normalizer in chief is what they're trying to kind of instill in businesses is just normalizing the conversation. And I think that's so important. 
Yeah, so, I, I love that. And I had a conversation uh, last week with a guy called Eric Kusin, and he we're ha- we're going to have him on my mental health podcast, uh, dismantling the high performance narrative. And one thing he said, he's a sports exec, worked for the NBA, and he started his own movement. And what's he what he calls it? He has two pieces to it. One is we're all a little crazy, and the other half is same here. And what he said like to me that. last week was like, he's when he started looking into mental health, like he's had a long history of struggling himself. He saw that all the charities talked about the stigma, talked about like basically the 20% of every person's going to have it each year. And then what he was also seeing in the athlete, like athletics point of view was like each athlete that would come out, they would label themselves and then they would launch their own charity. And he wanted to make it more of a movement where everyone can feel included. And it's a, like a really interesting approach. And, and it really challenges how we do things right now. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think it's more of that, right? We just need more people just talking about it, having an opinion on it, because everyone's opinion will be different, especially in like the realm of mental health, right? Everyone's experience is so different. Um, yeah, no, I love that. Love that you're having that talk as well. It's great. It's, we were it's, talking. Yeah, go ahead, Lam. No, it's, it's just something that that you know, like you, you mentioned the the wanting to be curious, and you mentioned the one on one conversations, and like what I'm seeing from the mental health industry is more of this move towards. Like I had a conversation yesterday. And they, like a friend of mine, he works in AI and they, he, they, the startup was trying to hire him so he could analyze all the emails and chat messages from each person and predict whether or not they had a mental health issue or like they're, they're experiencing burnout. And I'm just like, well, one is you can do it. Like Facebook did it with people and they were basically trying to predict whether the person was going to kill themselves or not. However, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the privacy stuff another time. But I think it's the wrong approach, right? Like we're trying to, it's, it's a very engineering centric approach. Like, Hey, we're yeah. going to use tools. Data. There's a problem. Here's the solution. We've got to fix this. Right. And it's like, you know, it's be easier if you just like had a real conversation with somebody. Yeah. You can't remove humans from. So what are you going to, why are they going to do with that information then? <laughs> yeah. It's got a high prediction. This person's going to burn out. Then what happens? <laughs> I guess the referral happens. I'm not exactly sure. Like, I, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It, it, to me, like the, the anonymous surveys are great. But again, like I've taken anonymous surveys at organizations and I've lied on them because of a lack of psychological safety. Right. And it's like that aspect right there tells you that it's not working. And I think that's the key piece, right? It's, it's, being able to show up as a leader, being vulnerable yourself. And that doesn't mean like talking about your own mental health struggles, right? That's just like opening up and being who you actually are. And that could be something as simple as like telling your life story, which is something that Clive Lloyd recommends or something like, you know, just saying like, Hey, I don't know the answer to this problem that you're asking me, but like, let's work on it together. And I think people just over complicate what vulnerability is. Yeah, I agree with that massively. And it's also become a bit of a buzzword, dare I say it, as well. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's when the word itself loses its meaning, right? Yeah, vulner- vulnerability is just, just showing up and being seen. 
that's it. It's not, it's not that, it's actually not that complicated, but it it requires like that we actually, yeah, that we actually understand the importance of that. Right. Yeah. That's where it all begins. We're quite passionate about this issue here at the leadership launchpad project, because like, obviously, you know, our, our biggest challenge is really trying to tie some of these aspects of mental health to like high performance leadership. We were talking about this actually yesterday, weren't we, Claire? Right. It's like, they can seem sort of like at opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. But really, in fact, you can't have a high performance culture or business or team if you don't actually have mentally healthy people. Right. That really is sort of the launch pad itself for, Right. Right. For for having high performance, anything um, where people are involved. Yeah, 100 percent. And that's definitely. Definitely a focus area for us, 100 percent. And it's so important because I burn out. I know, Susan, we talked about burnout yesterday. And Mm -hmm. again, I feel like that's starting to come a bit of a buzzword, if I'm honest with you as well. I don't think many people really truly understand. Um, So even just starting that conversation there, and it's honestly been such a high-opening conversation to have because um, you recognize it in yourself, right? Once you really understand what burnout actually is and how it's defined and and the stages of it, there's like the five stages of burnout. Um, I think, you, you know, I've had several conversations with people over the past few weeks that they've now understood what it actually means. And then they recognize in themselves, they're like, Oh, do you know what? Shit. I think actually, Ooh, I'm teetering on the edge a little bit here. And right. Um, and then it's that, and then it's the next conversation. Well, you know, high performers don't sometimes, well, most of the time don't know when to stop. It's exactly. always go, 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 go. I've got to be the best at this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And it's just, you know, I know Susan, this is like your, yeah and it's um and it's 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 unpacking that with people and it's a long conversation mm. it's a very long journey and I think again just even talking about it helps a lot mm-hmm. um, because again like if we talk about people being the bottom line if they're burnt out and they're not actually productive then like how does that make any sense uh, there's no sustainability it's that simple, right? There's no sustainability. I know that with COVID, uh, this obviously has brought a lot of the cracks in the mental health foundations of organizations um, to the surface. This is one of the biggest silver linings, I think, is that we actually have really raised awareness in terms of this conversation and around things like burnout, right? It's really starting to get a lot of leaders' attention. My phone's ringing off the damn hook with with those calls right now, right? Um, How has all this adversity and disruption really impacted you as a leader, your people? Like, what are you seeing over there on your side of uh, things, Claire, right now? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think if we just take, like, a macro view of all the shit that's going on in the world right now and everything that's come to the surface over the past like year mm-hmm. uh, and Susan I know we've talked about this as well it's like you know it's brought out the worst in humanity but I'd also mm-hmm. say it's brought out some of the best in humanity as well and you know if we look around what's happening even in the space of the last week you know some of the horrific stuff that's happening in America and the mm-hmm. conversation that's now being brought to the forefront around uh, uh, racism and, and, and the Asian communities and then we look at what happened in, in England I'm not sure if this is something that actually made it made its way over in Canada but 
you know, there was a, a really tragic story of a woman who was killed on her way home. It was like 9 p.m. This has now sparked a mass movement in, in the UK, which is now, which is wild to say in 2021, the police have just recognized sexual harassment as a, yeah, as a hate crime in the UK. <laughs> it's what? Happening, by the way, which is wild. Wow. It's like, and the reason, yeah, the reason I want to start there with like these big kind of, um, you know, societal, like systemic issues that we have is because, you know, that, that is so important to be recognized and, and like handled in the workplace, because if you're going to be a people led organization and you're going to put people first, Mm -hmm. like you have to recognize that this shit is going on. Like Mm -hmm. it is happening. It's Mm -hmm. a really tough conversation to have. It's a really awkward conversation to have sometimes it's, you know, you have to, you have to, again, to come back to vulnerability, you have to, you know, put yourself in a position where, you know, talking about things that you probably don't feel comfortable talking about. And, and I think actually for leaders now, there's all of these different dynamics of people leadership that have never really been tackled the way they are right now because they've never really been at the forefront of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so gender bias, sexual mm-hmm. harassment, a racism, like all of this stuff is, you know, because it's at the forefront of like, society right now is in that we're talking about it more like naturally you need to talk about it more in the workplace and I think there are a lot of businesses I think I still look around now and see where that's not really happening still Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is a big issue Mm -hmm. Uh, and again like there's no perfect science to this and everyone's trying to figure it out you know we've screwed up a few things along the way like everyone will like this is uncharted territory for a lot of leaders I think Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know like training it's not really about always about training but like and just getting leaders comfortable with even talking about these topics is like one element of it but there's just so much more that factors into that and I think that's definitely been one of the biggest things that I've seen over the past year is that it's just a whole new realm of people leadership and conversation that I don't think many of us have had to really engage in before but it's so good that it's happening I totally agree. It's so good. I, and, and, it, and I'm just so excited to see how this is going to shape things moving forward for people because, you know, we're starting now and again, we've got, it's a journey, right? There's no end to this. Like we're, we're all kind of figuring it out, but, you know, just imagine what it's going to be like in two or three years time when, you know, you know, hopefully we can say we really have created a safe space for people no matter who you are, where you come from, like what journey you've had. Like, and, and I think that is, what excites me most about coming out of these goddamn awful times we've just been through. Um, So Claire, like if someone's listening and they're like hearing you and they're saying like, Hey, you know, I want to go down this route of having these tough conversations about racism, about gender bias, about all these different things, where should they start? Uh, Great question. Uh, I think Honestly, just having the conversation itself. I know that sounds, I know that's like a really simple answer and it might sound like a bit of a cop out, but um, that is really, really hard to do. If you're, especially if you're like new to managing people or it's something you're still kind of figuring out for yourself. Like I've definitely been on a journey of self-discovery with all this myself over the past like year, 18 months. So much so to the point that I decided to do a master's degree in mental health. Like, you know, I think, and I think it's getting, it's getting comfortable with asking that question and being comfortable that actually the response you get 
might not be one that you again feel comfortable talking about and it's hard right because I think a lot of managers are looking for like a checklist almost of things they can do just done that yep done that and I just oh I really I kind of disagree with that a bit I hate Mm -hmm. the approach of like cookie cutter management Mm -hmm. where it's like people a checklist that's it they've done what they need to do now like goes back to my original point human there's a human involved in this like work for a second there's a human involved in this like there's a human that is is likely experiencing pain right just think about it if it was one of your like best friends or one of your family who was experiencing pain you'd hopefully want to help them and reach out Mm. to them so I I think try and think more of as a human uh with that and and again like you're not always going to have the right thing to say either which I think is hard for a lot of people and I found that so incredibly difficult um is you know what is the right thing to say what if I say the wrong thing what if I offend someone it's better to say something than say nothing at all is what I've learned the really hard way actually um over the past year I think sometimes I was scared to say things or ask people how they were and like just imagine being that person if no one's even asking how you are you just be the problem right and again like Mm -hmm. I'm no angel in this so like I said before I've screwed up on this a few times but I think I've realized that that is the most meaningful thing you can do um if that makes sense I waffled through that then but yeah no get comfortable being uncomfortable is the counsel right that you just gave and and really we're just trying to simplify that just lean in with empathy just just real simple just care yeah. Just care, just care to know how somebody's doing, or just care to try to maybe open up space so you can lean in and understand what they're experiencing a little bit. Not because you have the solutions, but just because you care to know. Well, this is it, and like everyone's experience is so different and so unique, and that's a wonderful thing, right? And yeah, and it's just again, I go back to the point of meeting people where they are. Uh, I think just understanding that is 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 key and again it's hard when you manage a lot of people or lead a lot of people because to do that at scale I appreciate is not you know always kind of realistic but again like if you have strong people managers where you're instilling this behaviors then it it's the ripple on effect right absolutely yeah and I, I think when you lean in with empathy and you just care that's the strategy because then you're actually going to get them talking about their experience and then it's going to show you like where you need to go with that conversation or it's going to show you where you need to to say, I don't, I don't have the answer, but we're going to go find it, me and you together, or to tune into or tap into some of those resources that you were listing off mm-hmm. earlier that are available to all of us if we actually were just curious to want to understand how we can help somebody. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's something, right, that people lump diversity and inclusion together. And it's like diversity is having the person in the room or in the organization, but inclusion is actually having a space for them to speak up, right? And and I've sat in meetings and I felt like I haven't been able to, to share my mind. And I'm, Claire, I'm sure you have. Susan, I'm sure you have as well, right? And it's like, that's the whole piece of psychological safety is the inclusion piece. And it's like, you can't have inclusion without psychological safety. You can have diversity without psychological safety, but not inclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very great point there. Totally agree with that. Um, and again, yeah, it's tough, right? To to actually make that a reality in the workplace, especially virtually. It's real tough. 
So how have you been able to manage that, right? Like you've been working at home. Like for me, I've been working at home for about a year now. Like, have you been able to manage the virtual workplace? Um, oh God, great question. Um, I think, you know, human nature is we adapt. Uh, human human creatures, sorry, we adapt. It's, that, it's in our nature. But uh, I think, you know, we found our way now a little bit in terms of managing working from home, juggling all the things that we have to do. Like my dog, again, I, you can't see, but I have my lap to stop me from barking because he literally interrupts every single call that I have. Uh, I think, yeah, I think people, I think people have kind of found their groove a little bit with that. I'll be honest, where my mind is going now is like, okay, so what happens when we start to open the office again and then people start to go back? Like that's a big change and a big shift. So like I'm already thinking about how can we better prepare people for that? But I think it's, it's it's again it's it's like checking in with people and just making sure they're okay um which i know some bigger organizations haven't maybe done necessarily a good job of uh for whatever reason uh and i think you know being more mindful of of what's going on in the individual's personal life but then also just being more mindful of of like how to make the day a better experience so we've tried various different initiatives like you know, we bought in um, like an hour within the day where we all committed to not taking any video calls just so that we could all get a break from a screen. You know, we've put on like, uh, kind of, we call them winter wellness Wednesdays, but there are events on a, on a Wednesday after work where we just want people to just not do work and just do something completely different. So, you know, we, we had a plant workshop the other day. <laughs> you know, so, and it's, it's, it's just, again, trying to find different ways to stimulate people and engage their brains, but also to just make sure we're being cognizant of like, what they're dealing with right now um because yeah like being on calls from 8 a.m to like 6 p.m back to back <laughs> takes its toll right and i think yeah. again we talked about burnout and it's it's a real problem um so just navigating and recognizing that as well i love that and i kind of want to dig back into the burnout like what have you learned over your conversations and your digging into your people in terms of like the burnout work or the mental health work? Uh, I've learned that um, all the stats you read about burnout and how it's, you know, high performers are more susceptible to burnout. You know, I, I, go and, I like to go into rabbit holes on research on this stuff. Um, but when I started having the conversation, like meaningfully and with intent for change, uh, those stats kind of came to life for me because I was like, yeah, actually, this is a problem. Like, and this is something that uh, we need to fix and we need to change. Um, and I think that's been the biggest realization. And even for myself, like, I went through some of that research and just like the five stages and I was like oh my god I was like that was definitely I'm teeing on the edge here um so now I'm trying to make active changes and just the way I I manage my day and I'm saying no to more things now you know in the hope that that can be a model behavior for then everyone else and now it's a you know it's you know the, the conversations now widespread within like our leadership team and our management team and just again it's like modeling those behaviors and just um starting the conversation but yeah it's been <laughs> it's been a bit of a revelation I'll say I think it I think it's great that we're even, you know, talking about this because I think that's the hardest part when you're in burnout. Can't see it. You can't see it. 
<laughs> can't see. <laughs> that's the nature of it, right? So I think that's what's really awesome about us highlighting. This has been one of the biggest byproducts of this disruption is that people are now working at home in silos. Maybe they're in organizations where they're not feeling psychologically safe or seen. You know, they're working a ton because look, their laptop is right next to their yeah. their living room or their bedroom or their whatever, right? So like just has obliterated people's sense of boundaries and all of that. So, but I do, you, we always talk about this. The awareness comes before the, the intelligence. You can't solve it if you don't acknowledge it. So I think this is obviously something that I think, again, if we can look at the silver lining is really going to be able to stimulate a lot of conversations in and around mental health, right? Because this the nature of how we've been forced to adapt whilst we're doing it and hanging on for dear life here in the cage, doing it still. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's stimulating a lot of these types of conversations. And I know this is the mission that you're on, Miss Claire. It is, it is. Try and try. And, um, yeah, it is. It's just, it's just, it's just a different type of conversation now as a people leader. It's just so different. It's like, Yes, there's business performance, there's delivering goals, and there's all of that good stuff. Like, so obviously incredibly important. But yeah, just watching the shift over the past year has been has been eye opening. I think to see, mm-hmm. but it's also so exciting. I just I just think this is the future, right? Of how we should be, in my opinion, uh, leading organisations. And I, I, yeah, again, like my point before, I'm just really excited to see where this takes us. Me too. And I know you are 100%. (laughs) Adversity, right? Is opportunity dressed up in disguise as adversity. I think that's the thing. We've been thrust outside the comfort zone. And it's now, I love this, right? Because it's forcing us to have to lean into these conversations that maybe we've been avoiding because we didn't have the right thing to say, right? Or it's forcing us to have to look at a little bit more deeply at just our culture in terms of the way that we are cultivating, you know, opportunities for engagement, you know, with our people. So what do you feel like, cause I know in all this disruption, you're definitely alongside me seeing all those opportunities too, but let's just like talk about some of your favorite leadership strategies or some of your favorite leadership tips. Cause I think you have a wealth of knowledge to share with us clearly, but let's boil it down to your favorites. What are your top picks? Oh yeah. So I thought long and hard about this one. Because I had lots of them. Uh, I think first and foremost, um, you're likely going to have to make some really tough, excuse my language, shit decisions that are going to impact people. And if you haven't already, you might, you know, it's part of the past of leadership. Mm-hmm. My original point, don't ever get, ever forget that there is a human at the end of that conversation. A human has a mind, has emotions, has feelings. Just don't forget that is my number one tip uh, mm. when you are, making decisions that impact people uh my second tip is get comfortable with uh screwing things up yeah <laughs> it took me so long to, to get to this point and, and then Susan's definitely been on this journey with me uh but you know you're not going to have all of the answers and neither should you uh and there's always going to be stuff that you don't know and I think just get comfortable with that all right that's why you have people around you um and I think my third piece of advice would be feedback I think we talk about this a lot um it's talked about a lot in all the leadership books that you read but it is so crucial Mm -hmm. um and we've talked a lot today about you know how can we make things psychologically safe and how can we start conversations and it really starts with you know understanding where we need to make those changes so feedback I think is 
crucial um, and creating the space for people to provide feedback. And again, if people don't feel like they can, point one, why can't they dig into that, figure out how you can make that safe space for them. Point two, if they can't, find a way for them to be able to share that feedback because it's important because that's ultimately what's going to make you better as a leader, the business better, and then the individual who's providing the feedback. And um, I truly believe all three of those are key for sure. I love that. The highlight reel. Yeah. And the last thing I want to ask you, Claire, is you kind of mentioned it a little bit about business results and you started off the show saying that people are the bottom line. Can you tell us a little bit about like, how has your business changed because of the way that you're leaning into people? Uh, that's a big question. And my imposter syndrome is kicking. I was just going to say. <laughs> it's there. She's coming out. Uh, I think, um, oh, God, this feels really awkward to say. I think, um, I think we've made some really good changes um, with a lot of the things I've talked about today, actually. Uh, uh, some mental health being a key one. Um, so, you know, I'm really passionate about that. And it's something that I'm, I'm trying hard to drive forward very much at the beginning but you know hopefully we're going to see change there uh and again just bringing more of that thinking just into how we operate as a business as a whole i have the luxury of working with so many incredible people across so many different types of teams and disciplines and um you know i truly believe they all bring something so unique and wonderful to the business and to 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 to, to each of us within that and i think just again, coming with that mentality of empathy, care, there's a human there. Um, again, haven't always got it right, have fucked it up a few times, but I think definitely, I'd like to think anyway, that we definitely have a lot more of that ingrained in our working culture. Archie, my dog. Uh, Archie agrees. <laughs> but yeah, that wasn't a nice thing for me to answer because as you know, I suffer with imposter syndrome, but uh, I'd like to think that that would be the change that's well, I can testify to that because I've been work, working with, with you guys for two years now and the initiatives that Miss Claire has started over there and has been a driver of have just been just remarkable for me to watch as, as her coach, like so, so, so fulfilling, huge, huge impact. And it, it, it is contributing to the sustainability and growth of the bottom line. It absolutely is. And she has been the one to make a case for that over at her organization. So yeah, Miss Claire, you were born for this type of leadership. Honestly, I just, I can't think of anybody better to, to testify to that and build a case for the people are the bottom line. I'm so glad you backed me up on that. Cause like, that's something I say notoriously on here too, right? It's uh why we started this project this leadership launchpad project right rob yeah and claire i love it i i had a really enjoyed this conversation now if people are out there and they want to connect with you they want to find more about miq where can they find you yeah sure so linkedin uh i can share my linkedin details as well sorry my dog is driving me wild right now uh and then for miq as well um so we have our website which types into google you'll find us as well we are miq um, and yeah, happy to always reach out and, and engage with anyone. I'd love that actually. Perfect. Yeah. And for people listening, we'll drop Claire's LinkedIn into the podcast notes. So if you're listening, you can find her there for us. 
obviously, first off, thanks for listening to the Leadership Launchpad Project. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Tell your friends, your colleagues, and other leaders about the show. We'd really appreciate that. You can also follow the Leadership Launchpad Project on LinkedIn. And if you want to ask a leadership mindset or performance question, go to Apple, leave us a review, and drop your question into the podcast notes, and we will answer it on the show. Susan, do you have anything to lead us out today? Yeah, people are the bottom line. Let's go, people. We need our people. (laughs) We need all of you out there listening to really Step into the unknown growth zone with us. It's time to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We need your help stimulating these conversations, modeling this for the world. Let's show the world that this is this is where we're headed and we're not going back. We're going forwards and all this disruption. Let's capitalize on the silver linings that we've really been able to illuminate today, which is the opportunity to really lean in to our people, make sure our people are well, make sure they're seen, make sure they're heard. Yeah, so that we really can make sure that we, in fact, are showing up in our role as leaders, right? Responsible for their growth. Amen to that, Susan. And for me, the the one thing I've taken away from this show and I'll, I'll leave everyone with is be okay with uncertainty. I think us as leaders, and it's what you said, Claire, right? Is like we're expect or we have an expectation of ourselves that we have the perfect answer. We have an expectation of ourselves that if we open up a conversation about mental health and someone says, hey, you know, they suffer with something, that we're going to be able to fix that for them. I know that I've seen that across my career and with my struggles in mental health, that my managers have felt that way. In all likelihood, you're not going to have the answer. And the things that you're offering, they probably already tried it. I know I have. And I think like that's the key piece, right? It's the piece is empathy and being seen. Is like you're not going to have the answer. You have to be okay with that. They've tried a lot of the things that you're going to recommend. You got to be okay with that too. All they're telling you is they just want to be seen. They want to be heard. And sometimes nothing is the answer. Just being there is the answer. And so we'll, we'll leave everyone there. Everyone, Claire, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Claire. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everyone listening, thanks for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.